Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Right, joining us now on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, BrownsWire.com and USA Today covers the team. It's Jeff Risden. Gives us a couple minutes this morning here on The Fan. What's up, Jeff? Good morning. Thanks for having me on. What's up, brother? How you been? Very good. It's uh, it's a little sad that you know we're we're not watching playoff football with our with our interest peaked, other than uh, watching some watching the Bengals and the Ravens last night. But you know what? <laughs> you were just saying football is king, and that was never more evident than like this was a really good and it's been a really good college basketball season. The NBA, you're talking about. I'm decked out in Cavs gear right now as we speak, and like. Nobody wants to talk about that. Everybody just wants to talk about the Browns and the NFL. It's crazy. Oh, no, it is. But, you know, you want, the, the games yesterday, I mean, everybody expected a blowout in the first game. I think people thought Vikings-Giants would be good. I'm not sure anybody was really considering Baltimore having a chance without Lamar last night. But even all the games this weekend, including Saturday night, those were great games, man. They really were. Oh yeah, that that Jacksonville comeback was was one for the ages, and it was one you know, even if you don't have a rooting interest in the game, you can get behind that story. Like my goodness, an epic comeback coming from a team that hasn't had much playoff success in its history. That's uh, you know that's one of the reasons why the NFL is king because you get the drama like that, you get the unexpected. Uh, you're right. Last night, I don't think anybody gave the, the the Ravens much of a shot, and they took it down to the very end, and that game was decided on a freak like. Once in one in a million play that you're never going to see again. Uh, the longest fumble return in, in playoff history. Uh, weird things happen in the postseason, and that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we love it. It's uh, as much as people like to complain about the officials and game fixing and all that. It's as unscripted the drama as you can get, and it's it's, it's fantastic. Jeff, what did this past weekend kind of tell you about what is needed in, in Berea right now? I think the, the easiest thing is that you've got to be able to impact the, the opposing passer. That's how Jacksonville came back. Uh, if you watch the Giants, that's how they had a lot of success, was moving Kirk Cousins off of his spot. Uh, and, and you need somebody to help Miles Garrett, who's phenomenal. Uh, and just imagine how good he would be if he had somebody even better than, than what has been Jadevian Clowney or whoever has been across from him. The, the ability to to manipulate the passing. Look, they've got the cornerbacks to, to play behind a good pass rush. Uh, and, you know, I think the safeties would, would be a little bit better if they had somebody besides Miles being a consistent pressure. That ability to control the middle of the field on defense, too. I got so sick of watching the defensive line just do nothing uh, in both the pass rush and the uh, <laughs> the run defense. So you've got to bolster that that defensive line build around miles, let those cornerbacks eat a little bit more because they'll get more opportunities that way. Uh, that And the other thing is you've got to have more than one consistent wide receiver. Amari Cooper's great. I, I think he was probably a little right. bit better than a lot of people thought he would be for Cleveland. But yeah. uh, DPJ, you know, he, he's coming along, but you got to get somebody else above him on the depth chart there because teams that only have one true threat that the defense respects, they're a lot easier to shut down than a team with, with multiple options. 
Jeff Risden with us from uh, BrownsWire.com. It, it, is, it is amazing to think, and I was looking at some of the PFF numbers this morning, how bad the interior of that D-line is. And you, you're right. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, DJ Reader, these guys were so dominant in these games yesterday. And you sit there and watch and go, man, if, if we had that guy, think about how, how different uh, 7 and 10 looks like, right? Oh, absolutely. This was a team, and, and I said it, and I said it on your airwaves, actually, that I thought that this team could win six or seven games without Deshaun because I believed in the defense. And I was hopeful that, look, I was never a Taven Bryan guy. That, that, that was pretty, pretty obvious that that wasn't going to work out very well. But I thought that they had enough around it, and I thought that Joe Woods would be able to scheme up enough pressure with the guys that he had uh, that, that it, would, it would overcome, and it didn't. And that, that was very frustrating because when, look, we knew this was going to be an interesting season with the dynamics around Deshaun and the suspension and, and, and all that. But the, the way the defense finished 2021, it sure felt like they would be able to carry that over, and it just didn't happen. And, and the personnel up front, uh, again, leave Miles Garrett out of that discussion, but especially the defensive tackles, you just can't keep plugging in fourth, fifth-round guys with very low ceilings uh, and expect any different than what they've gotten. And they've they've got to prominently address it, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, whether it's a trade or something. Uh, you cannot go into next season with a defensive tackle room the way it is because uh, we've seen it's just not going to work. And it does, that's, that's irregardless of who they wind up hiring as a coordinator. Uh, and there's some good coordinators that they're interviewing here, potential ones. Uh, I, I, like, I like the general mindset here. All these guys are aggressive. They're more blitz-happy. They're more... Um, creative in their schemes to bring pressure. But uh, if, if you don't have the, the players to do it, there's only so much you can do. You mentioned the D coordinator, uh, oh, you know, opportunities here. I mean, you and I know Jim Schwartz very well. I, he would definitely wake the sideline up. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and I like, there's another thing that goes on with Jim Schwartz and, and you and I know this very well as well. He's a guy who's not going to be complacent if he doesn't like what Kevin Stefanski is doing. He's a guy who's going to push Kevin a little bit. And I kind of think that's needed. I think, I don't want to say that, that Stefanski has been surrounded by yes men because I don't think that's the case. But I do think he's gotten a little too comfortable in ruling that roost without having a little bit of pushback from the rest of his staff. And I think Jim Schwartz, well, I, I know Jim Schwartz, oh, yeah. is not that kind of guy. He's a guy who's going to push those buttons. And I think that would be a good, good for Kevin Stefanski, who quite frankly needs to coach a little better on his own. Uh, so that that's... That's the primary reason why I would like Jim Schwartz. Aside from that, lining up Miles Garrett in a wide nine with those cornerbacks behind him, good Lord, you're going to lead the league in interceptions easily. It's interesting, you know, you watch this weekend, I took a couple of calls in the 7 o'clock hour, and they're like, well, you know, what about the coaching and, you know, and Stefanski calling his his own plays? I'm thinking, wait a minute, Mike McDaniel schemed up a pretty darn good game with a third-string quarterback yesterday. He calls the plays. Doug Peterson calls the plays. It can still be done, but how do you view that from the Browns' perspective going into next year? You know, I think uh, this is another case where, where Stefanski needs to have his bear poked a little bit. I think he gets into his mind what he thinks is going to work, and when it's not working in a game, I don't think he gets away from his initial plan very well. Uh, and that's something where having somebody that has that sort of responsibility on his plate would come in handy. Look, it's it's not like the, the offensive staff that he's got around him isn't qualified. Uh, they 
you know, Stefanski, uh, I, I understand that people are very frustrated with him, and, and rightfully so. That's still a very good, smart football coach. Uh, I think he didn't have his best year. I think one of the ways that he can get back to being the, the coach of the year that he was not that long ago is to look in the mirror, um, properly evaluate where his failings and shortcomings have been, and address those. And he's got the, the tools and his capacity to do it. So I, I wouldn't necessarily want to see him give up all play calling because I do think that he does have a good feel for how to create a game plan. But it's uh, it, it's the, the stubbornness that he's got. And, again, that's just one of the reasons why I like Schwartz as a button pusher or, or another coach who would come in and, you know, say, hey, Kev, you know, maybe think about doing something different here um, and uh, do it a little bit more forcefully than I just said. And uh, I, I think that would be very good for, for Stefanski, whether he keeps the, the play calling or not. By the way, I don't think he's getting fired. I, I know people want him gone. Brandon Staley, obviously a Clevelander. Would you let, Let's say the Chargers did uh, pink slip him. Would you want him here as the D.C.? Uh, he was a fantastic defensive coordinator, not a head coach. Uh, I think we saw that. And, uh, you and I know uh, fr- from our Detroit days, uh, <laughs> his choice in offensive coordinator was just absolutely tragic. Uh, but, you know, they, they made a def- they made an offense that had Matthew Stafford, Reggie Bush, Golden Tate, and Calvin Johnson boring, uh, and people wondered why it didn't work in, in Los Angeles this year for him. Uh, I think he'd, he'd go back to being a fantastic defensive coordinator. He could be one of those guys that gets his one shot, realizes that, okay, I just want to be a coordinator for the rest of my career and be a fantastic one. Uh, and, uh, look, I, I don't think he's getting fired either. That's certainly an interesting discussion they've got to have, though. But, uh, yeah, he, he would jump up to very near the top of the list. I'm a big Sean Desai fan as well. I think the, I think what he did with the Bears, with the talent that he had, and, and the uh, also, and this probably gets overlooked a little bit, he, he understands how to coach a team that plays in cold weather and, and how to design a defense around that. That's something that not a lot of guys have, and, and it, look, it's it's a minor thing, but it is a thing. So, uh, and he's got a very aggressive mindset and a creative mind, and also an eye for some player development. I think a lot of players who uh, played under him in Chicago maximize their talent pretty darn well, and that's something that I think we need to see in Cleveland as well. So he's another, you know, very interesting option. But Staley, man, uh, th- th- that's a tough one to say no to if he wants the job. Yeah, I mean, I just. Well, you're right. Everything that he, all the good that he did as a defensive coordinator, and then but the last few years just watching him run the Chargers, I just you know you have pause with it. You just almost have to. I know Rex Ryan was on uh, the Four Letter Network this morning, just destroying him. Obviously, it's different when you're talking about head coach in D.C. But man, the Chargers should have been a lot. I mean, that game should have been over Saturday night. Over. I mean, that was just that was bad. Hundred percent, and that's tough to recover from. No doubt about it. Jeff Risden with us, brownswire.com, USA Today, uh, USA Today Sports. On the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, when you look at, you know, you mentioned before about the D-line and, and receiver and all of these needs for the Browns. Then you watched the Ravens last night. I mean, how far away do you think they are from getting back to playing on that uh, Saturday or Sunday that first weekend next year? I, th- I think they're very close. I really do. Uh, it, it's going to take a, a concerted better complementary football uh, style. The, the days when the offense and the defense in Cleveland played well together were very far apart. Uh, I, I think they need to tie that together a little bit better. But, look, a full offseason with Amari Cooper working with Deshaun Watson, with uh, the offensive line hopefully healing up, and, and like there are some definite questions about that offensive line 
that uh, we're going to have to dive into later this offseason. But uh, the, 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 the core is there. They have defensive players that they, they just need augmenting. They don't necessarily need an overhaul. You know, they have the top-end talents. Uh, it, it's getting all those guys to play together and well at the same time. There's no reason they can't be where the Ravens were this year. Uh, there's no reason that they can't get to where the Bengals were, other than their own ability to, to keep shooting themselves in the foot with inopportune mistakes and, you know, just non-complimentary football. Let, let's get the defense to, to heavy game where they only give up nine points, and let's have the offense in that same game score 37. Uh, that happened, what, once this year? You, you've, you've got to be able to have where, where everybody's pulling the, at the – Row the boat the same way to steal from PJ Fleck, which I know you hate. That's that's what this team needs. And look, the, the talent is there. They they do have some resources. They're just going to have to do some things with some contracts to, to free up some room. But the, 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 look, it's a and it's, and it's a difficult division. You just saw two teams in the postseason. Who knows what's going on with Lamar Jackson and in Baltimore? I, right. That, that that that's a very weird one. That's uh, you know. It's gone in, in ways that I didn't expect it to go that do leave the door open for him to not be there. And if he's not there, uh, I, I think they're, what, 7-20 and 20 without him uh, since he's been there. Uh, that, that, that sort of scuttles them. But, you know, the Steelers, God bless them, they, they overachieve consistently. That's a very difficult team to beat, too. So it's going to be a dogfight. But, uh, yeah, there's no reason that the Browns can't be there. Look, 7-10 and 10 with, with the kind of season they, they had – Honestly, that's not terrible. It's obviously disappointing for, from what our what our expectations were and what we thought this team could achieve. But it's not like they were, you know, four and thirteen. There, there is there is a baseline there to build off of. They're not in the basement too too deep. So uh, they're definitely upwardly mobile. Jeff, always love the conversation, brother. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You got there. He is Jeff Risden with us on the hotline from BrownsWire.com, USA Today, all over what the Browns need and always love the conversation.